Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jump. So, you know, I know you guys been reading about the situation with the post office, right? They ain't really giving cats OT like they used to. You know what I'm saying? Either way it goes, things have slowed down at the post office. Now, this has some fairly significant um, consequences, obviously, um, because the post office is going to play a very significant role in the coming election as, you know, we still under cootie watch. So it's not necessarily going to be the safest thing in the world for people to be out here voting in person. So as a result, people are going to vote by mail, and this has become a thing, and there have been questions as to whether or not the mail is being slowed down to benefit those who might benefit the most um, from not having vote by mail. Anyway, that's where we are. Those are very significant, important things. But caught in the crossfire of all these matters that I just discussed is me. And I also imagine some of you. I imagine that some of you um, have things that you have had sent to you uh, by U.S. mail since we've been under cootie watch. And some of them, for whatever reason, have not come um, at an appropriate time. And, you know, sometimes it's just because somebody just happened to be having a bad day at the job or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And, like, they make all kinds of odd decisions sometimes about rerouting things. Like, one of the worst things in the world they ever did was give us access to, like, step-by-step tracking um, of our items. Because you'd be like, yo, why are you even taking it over there? That don't even make no sense, right? I don't know anything about how to run a post office, right? Like, I, I, I imagine they might have, like, very good reasons for doing some of these things. I don't, I don't know anything about that. That's just not my realm. But now you tell me, and now that make me ask questions. So anyway, I ordered me some shea butter, right? And I ordered it well in advance, right? Like, I knew I was running low, and so I ordered to make sure that I had time to receive it before I had to, like, go ashy, you know? And the thing about it is, man, you do wind up going ashy. I know I could go outside and probably get shea butter from some other people, but this is the shea butter I know, you know what I mean? And I don't feel like I should have to go out there and spend money for something that I just already spent money for just because it ain't got here yet. That just don't feel right to me. So anyway, I ordered my shea butter. Uh, I looked at my email. I believe I ordered it on uh, July the 13th. And I got to be honest, it, uh, it took a little while, you know what I mean, for the uh, Shea Butter order to get out. I don't know what those people are going through, right? They give you a healthy 7 to 10 business day warning or whatever, you know. You told me what it was. It ain't really no big deal. I'd appreciate it if you got it out a little bit sooner, but who wouldn't, right? So I want to make sure that anybody knows, if you happen to be associated with the people I made this order with, I am certainly not judging you for this, right? Because I had built in that y'all might do some shit like that. Because, hey, I've run a business out of, I've run a business like that myself. I know the trials and tribulations, right? But let me tell you what else I know. And I want to say this to all y'all that I'd be, like, getting stuff up out the house. Okay? Let me tell you the trick that I know. Because y'all be doing this. And some of y'all are going to hear what I'm talking about. And you're going to be like, oh, that explains it. All right? So here's what happens. At least I know this used to be the case on the service that I use. 
So what you do is you go and you you go to the office supply store on Amazon or whatever, and you order a bunch of like labels for shipping. Okay. And then whatever program that you use that takes in your orders or whatever it is, they typically do it in a way that gives you, you know, spreadsheet form, or whatever it is. But either way it goes, what you do is you print out the labels yourself. And when you print the labels, you know, you pay all the shipping costs, you know, and all that stuff in that process. Right. All right. But here's what happens. When you print out someone's shipping label, it sends the person the email that says your item has been shipped. Right? So have you ever had that where you order something from like a, um, a mom and pop sort of operation? And again, I don't say this pejoratively. I've run this myself, right? But you ever have a situation where you order something from somebody, like in a situation like that, and you got that email saying it's been shipped? And then like five days later, it's still saying that it's in the pre-shipment process or whatever it is. Yeah, what they did was they printed out the label. And I admit what I have done in my experience or time in that industry is once I realized I was slacking on getting this stuff out in the mail, I would print out your whatchamacallit just to, you know, let you know I was thinking about you. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I admit I have done that. I know what it is. And that's what I'm saying. Don't do that. You know what I'm saying? It don't make me feel no better because since I know the trick, right? So once the label gets run off, I know what you done did. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, had one of them situations, took a couple days, uh, after the, whatchamacallit, after the label got printed again, I know the game It's whatever. I'm just letting you know, I know the game. So it took a couple days after the label got printed. And then it wound up starting in the process. I need y'all to help me out with this. And some of y'all are going to know these towns as it is. So you ain't going to have to do a whole lot of research. Some of y'all will be able to get the joy of looking this up. What I'm about to say. On July the 30th, my package was in D.C. On August the 2nd, My package was in Hyattsville, Maryland. Today is August the 6th. The only thing the post office knows about my order is that it's running late. That's it. They got to Hyattsville and that's that. All right. So like as this is taking time. I have already had to make the move to the emergency moisturization. And if you live like I live, you have the same thing for the emergency moisturization. And that same thing is your travel stash, right? Like I don't know about you. I keep my travel toiletry bag just as it is so all i gotta do is pick it up and throw it in like i don't really need that stuff you know what i mean but sometimes when it comes down to you know you gotta go to it all right so i'm getting to the bottom of the travel stash right 
Now I got to ration this out. I got to figure out how to like how to make this go. So I'm out here making business decisions. I had to turn into a man that I used to not be. I mean, I used to be, but I ain't no mo. And you know what man that is that I had to turn back into? Does anybody want to guess what man it was that I had to turn back into? I had to turn back into the man that only puts on lotion on the parts of his body that people might see. Had to skip the chest. Just too much, too much square footage. Couldn't do that no more. You know what I mean? I got hairy legs, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't be wasting that on my thighs. Had to take it down, you know, I got the calves going, you know what I'm saying? Feet, that's a luxury right now. I ain't really had no clear idea of how long it's going to be. And so I want to say today is like the sixth. And, and look, I had been doing some rationing as it was trying to make this, you know, trying to get to where I was. I want to tell you again, my original order was placed like, I want to say more than three weeks ago. Like I properly accounted for possibilities. And so now I'm out here just like, like, it, like how much is enough? You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't want to be sore. And, and then I got to the end. Like, I was taking my finger around the joint. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, like, getting in the corners, you know, trying to pull out whatever it was that was left there. Because I just didn't want to feel like I used to feel. I didn't want to live like I used to live. I didn't want to be in that place, man. I didn't want to be there at all. It was unfortunate. But I got to say. Shout out to Love Leaf Skin Care. LoveLeafSkin.com, I believe, is the website. Lady heard me talk about this on another podcast. And then she sent me something overnight. And I feel so much better already. Like I really do. And that's like, I'm telling y'all this just kind of as a metaphor for life, perhaps. That you can't be afraid of saying when you're in need. You know what I mean? Because I said I was in need. And then suddenly I wasn't ashy no more. Do you still want to be ashy? Like whatever kind of ashy we happen to be discussing. Is that what you wish to be? Do you wish to, do you wish to continue being ashy? I don't think you want to continue being ashy. I didn't want to continue to be ashy. So I had to share my pain. You know what I'm saying? I had to share with you from my heart where I was coming from, how I was feeling, how the current predicament of the Postal Service was affecting me. I had to do that. And now I'm not ashy no more. Tell me that's not a PSA, right? Tell me that. How y'all be saying it? You know, this ain't really my bag, but I just want to, you know, make sure I'm doing it right. You let me know if I got this right. Is the saying, won't he do it? Is that what y'all be saying in times like these? Isn't that what y'all say? Won't he do it? Anybody? I'm just checking. I don't mean to appropriate y'all's, you know, y'all little sayings or nothing like that. I just feel like this is the time where it will come up. Because I ain't asking you no more. Oh, won't he will? Is that? Okay. Won't he will? There we go. Y'all just be in there saying anything, huh? <laughs> won't he will? What, what that mean? <laughs> y'all just be saying anything. Say amen after. Nothing that happened before even matters. 
All right. Uh, let us move on to your questions. By the way, somebody had asked me something. And they were like, oh, you really still talking about this Shea Butter? Hell yeah, you still talking about it if you ask. Yeah, I was. Damn it. And I felt like y'all needed a whole explanation of what the situation was and how it was resolved because I thought it was a positive story. I forget which one of you bums said that. Also, I got to be honest with you. Um, I don't really... I'm, I, this is one of those things where there's not going to be any way for this to sound good, but I think some of you will understand where I'm coming from, right? So, like, every now and then things happen, you know, in my life that become publicly known, and when we do an Evening Jones in one of those weeks or something like that, um... I'll just go through the questions and take a question about that because then I can take the question and then I can share it with like the people that are on social media right now, like in the moment. And then they can all come in and hear me talk about that thing. And I am very surprised. I have to say that in this particular moment that no one has asked me a question about that thing. And I don't want to be like that guy, but I'm going to have to do it anyway can one of y'all ask me uh, about my Vanity Fair situation so I can talk about it? Like, I need y'all to set me up sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand that I say that I'm going to answer your questions, and I do my best to answer your questions, right? But come on, man. I do for you. Do for me. You dig? Anybody? There we go. 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 This is how we. This is, this is how we do it. This is. Oh no, that's not the one. Sorry, Noel. No disrespect to you. This is the one. There we go. Do tell. I know what that means. Hold on one second. Now I also know it's like all y'all ask this at one time, so I can't get this thing to stay still long enough for me to do the uh, copy and paste like I did. Don't worry, guys. We got it now. Y'all ain't got to do it no more. All right, just give me a second. I just want to, you know. I'm trying to do better by leaning into stuff like this. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not particularly great at that. And so I'm trying to, you know. Anyway, I understand that a whole bunch of y'all will be, you know, enjoy this. Anyway, so I'll tell you what's going down. Um... So out of nowhere, like a couple months ago, I want to say, I can't remember exactly when, but like a couple months ago, um, Ta-Nehisi Coates hit me up. And he told me that he was going to be guest editing an issue of Vanity Fair. And he asked me if I would contribute to it. And I think I said this out loud. I'm not sure, but I definitely said it in my head, which is, are you sure? <laughs> like, are, 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 are you sure this is something that, you know, like one thing I never want to be is, and like this is, I'm not as like rock solid confident as a writer as I am about like just about everything else, right? Um but one thing you don't ever want to be, or at least I don't ever want to be, is beneath the standard of the publication. 
Like, I don't ever want to do anything or file anything, and the people get it. And they're like, yo, this is good, but this is. Like, if people would be like, yo, this is a really good piece, but yo, this is Vanity Fair. You know, like, that, 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 I don't want to say that terrifies me, because once I'm in it, I'm in it. But I admit that that is something that I worry about, right? Like, I've been a young writer in, I wouldn't say over my head at jobs, but at jobs where I may have skipped some steps and people had me there because they just believed in, like, the raw talent that I had. And there were times that I filed things that were probably beneath the standard of the publication. I think there were times I filed things where I was made to feel that way where it wasn't true, but I also believed that there were times that I believed that I filed things that are beneath the standard of the publication. And so, like, a magazine like Vanity Fair, um, you know, those kind of in that class work, like, I read stuff in those magazines and like by and large, I read that and I'm like, okay, well, these are people who are just better at this than me. And I got no problem with the fact that they're better at it than me. Like this doesn't hurt me to say, but I, I read the writing in those places and generally feel like these are people who are better at writing than me. And I really don't want nobody picking up Vanity Fair and reading something that I write and then saying, yo, I write better than that. You know, like that's not that's not what it is like that. There is a standard to this publication and I um, I cannot discuss what it is about. Um, I can't really tell you any of the uh, particulars of it. I'm just I'm, I'm, I, they asked me not to do that, so I'm just not going to do it. So just so you just so you understand, I'm not like keeping secrets from you per se, but they got a way that they want to present and roll everything out and I'm going to let them do, you know, that's what it's going to be. Um, but. Yo, do you know how bananas it is that I wrote something for Vanity Fair? And let me tell you something. It's pretty good. Like, I ain't saying it's the greatest thing that anybody ever wrote, but. I feel very confident saying that what I wrote is up to the standard of the publication. And I would say that there was a time in the not distant at all past where if you would have asked me if that were something I was capable of, I would tell you yes. But if you were to ask me if I thought that was something, A, that I would ever have the opportunity to do, or B, that is something that I could guarantee that if I agreed to do it, that I would be up to the standard of the publication without needing some significant editorial overhaul. No, I would not have been able to tell you that. You know, like I didn't, I can't say that when I started doing this, I started writing it that I was positive that the end result of it was like going to be something that I would feel good about. Like writing could bring out a certain anxiety from me that I don't get from anything else. Cause it's something that's different and more permanent about it. Like here's the thing about writing. And this is where I do think is part of why I look at it differently than I do any of the other things I do. There are no excuses when you write something. None. Because you have every chance in the world to go back over it. You have every chance in the world to find the mistakes. You have every chance in the world to see where you haven't done enough and you need to build more on it. Like, if you write something, and as the writer, it is not good enough. 
95 times out of 100, it is your fault. And it's there for everybody to see, and it ain't changing. That shit is just sitting there. And when you're writing and you write something that's not good and you know it's not good and that happens, it's just right there looking at you. And ain't a whole lot of feelings that's worse than some bad words looking back, looking back at you and you ain't got no better ones to put before it, after it, or instead of. Like That is not a feeling um, that anybody wants to have. And that ain't really happened this time. And I have to say, that makes me feel pretty good. It does. Like, I mean, just think, like, like, think about this for a second, right? This is kind of a bananas thought. Like, Tadazi Coates hits me up, and it's like, yo, you want to write something for Vanity Fair? Like, and, like, put those two things together, right? Like, like, put, like, this. think about that. Think about, like, that all at one time. Dude, that's absurd. <laughs> like, like that, like that idea. Of, like, oh, that is been that is absolutely absurd for me. Like to halfway consider it. Really cool that it happened. It really cool that you're going to be able to see it. I've seen some parts of it. I think it like looks very good. Um, I think like it, it's it's some dope shit. And so I think that you'll be able to check it out. And I hope that you get a chance to check it out. And I will say this: like I've had this feeling before. I want to say, but I just kind of want to give an example. A, a term that I never quite understood was like humbling. Like people win an Academy Award or something like that. And people say that this is a humbling experience. And people are like, what are you talking about? How is this humbling? Right? Like this is the thing that's elevating you or like boosting you or something like that. But it, I had to like get into a couple of them situations to like really get where people are coming from on that. It's like when you look around and you're like, dude, what the fuck am I doing here? Are you serious? Like word? Like, and you know my belief, man, I don't really spend a whole lot of time thinking about whether or not I belong in a room. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm in it, I'm in it. And we just going to have to figure out the rest from here. Like, I don't, I don't deal with that imposter stuff, none of it, whatever. These, those are other people's decisions to make. About, I thought I deserved to be at all kinds of places that nobody invited me to. That didn't mean they was about to let me in. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm here, all right, cool then. Somebody decided it was supposed to be, you know. Like, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time in that way. But every now and then, you do kind of look around, and you're like, dude, I mean, I'm here. That's cool. But really, I'm here? Huh? Ain't that something? And I understand exactly what people mean when they say that kind of stuff is humbling. So anyway, check it out when it comes out. Appreciate that question that I absolutely asked you to ask me. How many pieces you've written so far this year has being home push slash motivated you to push against that writing anxiety? So... I don't think that anything in particular in this quarantine has pushed me through an anxiety about writing. What it has, though, absolutely given me is a lot more free time. Uh, That's one thing. Another thing is I'm actually doing more writing now than I've done in a very long time. But it's it's writing that you guys see, but you don't quite like think of as writing. And that's like those outside the lines parting shots. You know what I mean? Like, those things have to be written. Um, When I was doing the Bulldoze videos, those things had to be written. And so I probably have done more writing in the time of quarantine than I have done in, like, years, plural, combined, prior to this. You know, and part of it is, like, I've taken on projects that involve writing. That wasn't what I was doing before. 
now that's what I'm doing. Had a couple things come up, you know, in the world that made me want to write about them. And so I decided to go ahead and write about them in part because I, I needed to do a bit more writing. And I really had no excuses at this point, right? Like I wasn't doing a daily television show. I wasn't commuting. I was here. And I had some things to go ahead and write about. And then when this opportunity came up, you know, there was no way I wasn't going to do it. And so I did it. Um, but yeah, now, I mean, I'm basically writing every week now. You know, even if you don't like read the words off a page, I'm having to write things in a way that I haven't in a while. And one thing about writing is uh, my buddy Howard Bryan always makes this point. Ain't nobody got better at writing by not writing. And so I do think that this has kind of warmed up and activated some muscles that hadn't gotten to work out in quite a while. All right. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Worst album you remember ever purchasing. I bought Drag On before I saw he got two and a half mics from the source, and I thought they were being too generous. I absolutely know my answer uh, to this question. And I didn't actually buy the album, but the only reason I didn't actually buy the album is because I was going to the record store with my brother, and he was going to buy it. And so going into, I guess it was Best Buy, you know, we're a little bit past regular time, but we go to Best Buy and I had read a review of the album that said that it was, that was the source. Source gave it two and a half mics. And that just seemed impossible, Right. Like, it just, it just didn't seem possible that that guy, because his last album was so dope, it just did not seem possible that that dude could give us two and a half mics. It just didn't. And we felt like his previous album was so good that we basically owed it to him. Like, you got to remember, man, in the time before streaming, you just bought albums out of loyalty to people. You know what I mean? Like, we used to buy albums and not have no idea what it sounded like. Like, he just rolled a dice on it. You know what I mean? That's what we used to do. So anyway, we got the album. And we got to about the seventh song, I want to say. And it was pretty bad. But we got about to the seventh song. And it was like a Lionel Richie sample. I have no idea what the rest of that album sounds like. Because the seven songs are so bad. Does anybody want to take a guess at what album I'm talking about? I'll give you a hint. It's in, it, it's a record out of the Wu-Tang Collective. Yeah, Brian got it. Immobilarity. I have no idea how Cuban links could be so good and immobilarity be so bad. It was so bad. How in the world was it so bad? And that has to be like the worst commercial. Like just, just what a waste of money, man. I just remember when that, that Penny Lover sample came on and my brother just looked at me. <laughs> I looked at him and we were like, yo, 
Where the fuck is the RZA? There's no way the RZA approved of this, right? It can't be. God, what a terrible record. Like, people keep telling me about this Raekwon song called Sneakers on that album. That's really good. That must have come after track seven. All right, appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Does Judas and the Messiah qualify as recreational sadness given how we assume it'll end? Or does it seem like a worthwhile flick to check out regardless? All right, so I don't know if you guys have seen this trailer yet for this movie called Judas and the Messiah. It's about Fred Hampton. And apparently, uh, at least from what I can tell um, from the trailer, and you let me know if I'm wrong here, but it appears that uh, the Messiah is played by Daniel Get Out. I don't know how I say his last name. I won't disrespect that dude. Um, but it seems like he plays Fred Hampton, and then the homie uh, Lakeith is playing the Judas. And I got to say, man, I, I, don't, I have no interest in playing that role if I'm him. Somebody else going to have to do that. Like, I just don't want to be remembered as that guy. I'm not interested in that. Some people can't separate real life from fiction. This could be in real bad for me. Anyway, um, that trailer is riveting. Like, 100% riveting. Like, I mean, we know how the movie's going to end, obviously. But I don't, like, this one isn't recreational sadness. I'm down to go check this out. Like, I feel obligated. They making a movie about Fred Hampton. I cannot believe... Like, if if you wanted an argument that there is not, like, some powerful Illuminati that's stopping y'all from getting revolutionary ideas, uh, the fact that they seem to be allowing somebody to make a Fred Hampton movie, I mean, that would be a great example. You know what I'm saying? Like, you talking about this, I, I don't know if y'all paying attention, but uh, a race in South Carolina, uh, Lindsey Graham said a seat. There's a black dude that's running against him, and I don't know how real his chances are, but I do have to say... If they wind up with two black senators from South Carolina, one Democratic and one Republican, I got to admit, I mean, all them racism is over arguments. Like, if they throw that one on the table, I really don't know what I'm supposed to say. Like, I mean, I know I'm right, but I just can't, you know, I just like that's a good point. And they making a Fred Hampton movie? Like, I thought it was wild that they made Django, and then I saw it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's why they let you do that. And then I was like, oh, they, they they putting out a Nat Turner movie. I couldn't believe that either. But, you know, that kind of came and went with a whimper. This movie right here got, like, real people in it. And it looked like it got some, like, real money behind it. And uh, I'm here to tell you, it looks like it might be the bomb. I'm down. You down? I'm down. Hmm. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Have you been shocked at the level of reverence and think pieces the UPN shows have received since their arrival on Netflix? I have been surprised by that, but I mean, I guess kind of surprised. I mean, I I ain't never really enjoyed them shows like that. Like it just wasn't really my bag. Like there ain't really a whole lot of TV shows that I was like super duper into, but those those weren't it. Like. I just never found, I did not find them funny. Like, I didn't find them bad, and I could understand. Like, I was talking about Saved by the Bell. I've seen every episode of Saved by the Bell. I don't think I've ever laughed once, but I've seen every episode of Saved by the Bell. Like, I look back at these UPN shows, I don't think I laughed at any of them either. 
Like, not really. And, and it might be different if I were to go back and watch him now. But, like, I don't have a super nostalgic feeling about Moesha. By the way, are they bringing back Homeboys in Outer Space? Did they bring that one back? Yeah, I remember they had one called Homeboys in Outer Space with uh, Ron Johnson from A Different World in it. I forget who the other homeboy in outer space was. Yeah, anyway. Um, nah, I'm good. No shade to nobody that enjoyed it. I just ain't feel that way about that stuff myself. All right, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. If you were on that NABJ Zoom with Biden where he said the unlike black people thing, would you have responded or just been in disbelief? My understanding of that clip is his point was that there was more diversity of opinion on certain matters among Latinos than there were among black people. And he was citing the differences in the way that Latinos in Florida view immigration versus the way Latinos in uh, Arizona view immigration, which is like absolutely correct. Right? This is the part that I ask you to consider, whether it's about him or anybody else. If you see a clip like that and you are not able to get the context from the clip, you might want to ask yourself, has the clip been used in this particular way? so that you won't get the context. Like I saw people who were retweeting that, like maybe I'm just missing the context, but all right, if you are not sure that you have the context, then maybe you shouldn't share it. Just maybe. But I swear y'all just looking for something to be mad at on the internet so it's real easy to jump, all right? The thing that Joe Biden doesn't do though, that I find to be surprising after all these years in the face of the public is he does not speak with an awareness of the fact that it's possible that he's going to get clipped like that. Like he seems to invite the clipping in a way that other people do not. Like, it it does not dawn on him that this might happen, even though it keeps happening. All right, appreciate the question. See what else you got here. Talib Kweli finally got blocked from Twitter. It was way overdue, yes? I mean, honestly, I haven't paid enough attention to him to know what he's been doing, like, over the years or whatever. I am blown away, though, by the idea that any one person could spend that much time arguing not just one point, but with one person. I just can't imagine that. Like, something is not right with you if you are even considering doing this, let alone be capable of it. But they had to get him out of there. Like once it became clear that he was using like other accounts in the ways that he was using other accounts, they had to get him up out of there. There wasn't no way around it. I'm just like, what trips off in you that gets you to the place 
that you engage in this kind of behavior. Like the moment that you assume the personality of somebody else to defend yourself, I just do not understand or know where the place is in there that makes you say, I'm going to be my own backup. I just can't see it. And that's before we even get to like putting out the information and everything else. Like I was just, nah, man. And I also imagine that this got to be like really crazy for you if you're particularly young, because if you're under the age of like 30, maybe even like 35, I don't know why you would give a fuck about who Talib Kweli is. Like, it's kind of bananas that, like, people my age even care that much about who he is. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Kwame of Kwame and of fucking Polka Dots fame is Vin Diesel's cousin. Is Vin Diesel the captain of Is He? Um, you know, all-star team. And I feel like Vin Diesel... Like, it's actually, like, low-key disappointing in a way that Vin Diesel is a dude because if he was a woman, he would absolutely allow us to name this the Shaka Khan All-Stars because if he was not a dude, he would be every woman. It's all in him. There ain't no script that you can drop off in front of Vin Diesel and he can't play whatever whatever country you need this dude to be from. Vin Diesel can and will be this dude. And this is basically with everybody knowing that Vin Diesel is black. Like we know this, we just don't really have to think about it, but whatever it is, you need a, need a, need an Italian. You got it. When the Mike Tirico story and they make that movie, Vin Diesel can play that role. You know what I mean? Like Vin Diesel play whatever it is that you need Vin Diesel to play. Nobody can tell him no to anything. I mean, like, and, 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 and so let me ask you this question. This is a serious question. Say you Vin Diesel, right? And you know you black, and you go in for this role to play a white man. But what if they don't quite know that you black? Is that passing? And I want to be clear that I am not judging Vin Diesel. I'm not accusing Vin Diesel of anything. It's just a very interesting technical question because it is not Vin Diesel's obligation to tell them that he is black. But I imagine he walk in and a couple times people are like, hey, stay right there. Turn like this, like that, like that, like that. All right, now look up to the light. All right, just checking, just checking. Who else is that? Like, uh, what was my man's name? Like, I feel like everybody know he was black, though. Uh, bugging out. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Like, his last name allowed him to go in there and play some, you know, do some, play some tricks on people. But I feel like everybody, like, actually knows he's black. Anybody have... I feel like that one of Quincy, da- Quincy Jones' daughter, like if she wants to, except her name is Rashida, that's kind of the dead giveaway right there. Like, ain't, I don't know no white folks whose parents is that hip. You know what I'm saying? Don't smoke that much weed. I ain't seen that. Who else we got? Babe Ruth. Um, I feel like I saw somebody else say something here in the chat. Oh, uh, yeah, I heard they saying Beethoven might be black. I don't know. Like, do his shit be slapping? I don't really know the difference between them classicals, to be honest. I ain't saying they all the same. I'm just telling you I can't say the difference. See, it's funny, y'all, because Miro got y'all on the Babe Ruth is Dominican. But on the real, like, 
separate from him. This has been a long-standing thing for a long time. People believe in uh, that Babe Ruth is black. And I tell you this, if you go look at some pictures of some people from that era who were considered to be black, and then put a picture of them next to Babe Ruth and say one of these people is black, which one is it? whole lot of y'all would pick Babe Ruth. I'm just letting you know. You got to realize that black meant something different back then. I guess it mean the same thing right now. Like Rashida Jones would be no question back in the day that she was black. White folks had a keen-ass eye for it back then. They wouldn't let nobody slip through the cracks. No siree, Bob. They was on it. They was on it. They would have been talking about Rashida Jones like she was Miriam McCable. Like, no, no, no. They wouldn't have been no, no missing it back in the day. Now, people be like, huh, I didn't know that. Not then. Not then. White folks is on their toes in a much different way. Gotta say, guys, we're 44 minutes into this podcast. I haven't called anybody stupid. I haven't had to curse at anybody. I haven't had to throw anybody out of the chat room. And you know what that means? Let's quit while we're here, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. Try to do this thing about once a week, but you know how it is. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you can't watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. You can also find us at the Google Play Store. All right, talk to you guys next week. Take it easy.